4: Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto-pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto-pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for well-qualified customers. Contact us before canceling accounts to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. Ctmobile.com. mobilecom
3: Attention, adoring fans. Back to more John Chuckery. Hey, folks, how you
4: doing? Sports Radio 92.9 The Game. Sports Radio 92.9 The Game. Kicking off the 9 o'clock hour tonight, it's time to do a little bit of a review of this entire week so far. Of course, SEC Media Days got underway early on Monday, and it wrapped up this afternoon. Jimbo Fisher was the last head coach to speak to the media, and I wanted to bring you some of what I thought were some of my favorite cuts, anyway, from the week at SEC Media Days. Some of them are serious. Some of them are lighthearted but I did want to be able to, uh, to bring them to you. Let's start here with Nolan Smith. Now, after Georgia won the national championship last year, Nolan Smith went out and ordered himself a customized, tricked-out pickup truck. This is Nolan Smith talking about his pickup truck this week at SEC Media Days. I love a truck. I'm a
5: country boy. I think you should ride in a big truck. I think Ford make the best truck. And if
4: if someone want to come back, real men drive Fords. That's what I was raised in the South. So <laughs> that was uh, Nolan Smith. Would not have pegged Nolan Smith as a pickup truck guy, but uh, he loves his pickup truck. He had it tricked out. I think he's got. Uh, it has the the Georgia Bulldog logo. The uh, the Bulldog face. Uh, on the truck. So, sounded like he had it, uh, you know, red and black, of course, and uh, sounded like a pretty pretty sw- sweet ride that he had, he had come up with. So, again, I told you some of these were lighthearted from this week, some of them a little more serious. This one, I think, is a little more serious. You know, this offseason, we learned that Matt Luke, who had been the interim coach at Ole Miss and, and the head coach at Ole Miss, he had Came over to Georgia and joined Kirby Smart's staff. The two of them very close, good friends. And then, after Georgia wins the national championship game, Matt Luke stepped away, decided to leave—not just leave Georgia, but leave college football. Here's head coach Kirby Smart on Matt Luke leaving. Well, I tried to convince him to stay. <laughs> you
2: know, uh, there were heartfelt conversations that probably need to stay between Matt and I, but he. He loves the game of football. Game of football has blessed he and his family tremendously. He'd be the first to tell you that. Um, he is a family man, and um, the sacrifices that coaches make today. And look, I'm not whining and complaining. Don't think that I'm upset. I love my profession. I love what I do, and I do it every day, all over again. Being a high school coach, if I could, because I love the profession. But it's tough on the time demands, and um, you know, he. I think he felt like there's some purity lost in the game because. <laughs> guys were playing not necessarily for the education or for each other, or, or they were playing, you know, for the, the, the NIL opportunity or maybe for the NFL. And uh, it's tough sometimes as a coach uh, when you you find that, and you're like, well, I'm, I'm away from my kids, and I don't get an opportunity to get their baseball games and grow and do the things they need to do. And he was very appreciative of the opportunity, the time spent. His family still lives in Athens, and I actually just had, part of my summer vacation spent with his family. So we still have a great relationship, but I respect a person that's willing to make that kind of decision um, when they feel like it's right for their family.
4: You know, one thing I thought was interesting was uh, was Matt Luke saying that, or Kirby Smart saying that Matt Luke felt like there was purity that was lost in the game. That he didn't like guys playing, not for the love of the game or for their school or for the their education, but guys playing just for name, image, and likeness and or for a chance to get to the NFL. And, again, college football, is it has changed a lot in the last 12 months. And I think probably in the next 12 months, we're going to see another shift in, in college football as well. Within the next 12 months, we're going to know what our college football is playoff is going to look like in the future, starting in 2026. Does it expand from four? Does it end up at eight teams or 12 teams? What does that look like? We're going to find that out sometime within the next 12 months. And once we know that, that's when I think things will start to change. Now by change, I don't know that we'll necessarily see the change. It may be another five, six, seven years before it's actually implemented. But I think we'll see another round of change in college football. Maybe not as seismic as what we have seen this year with UCLA and USC both leaving the Pac-12 and joining the Big Ten. But I think we may see some some more changes coming to, to college football. One of the neat things about SEC Media Days this week and having it in a place like Atlanta – where you have such a a real strong high school football presence, both uh, in the in the metro area, in the Atlanta area, and for that matter, all across the state of Georgia, there were several guys who were Georgia natives that got a chance to come back, uh, got a chance to come home this week. One of those is the new coach of the Florida Gators, Billy Napier, who was an outstanding quarterback at Murray County High School up in Chatsworth. He played for his dad. His dad was a, a very good high school coach who unfortunately passed away uh, with um, with ALS. But uh, Billy Napier got a chance to talk this week about growing up in Chatsworth and kind of the impact that had on him. Here's the here's the new head coach of the Florida Gators.
2: And you know, I'm, we moved there when I was two. You know, my dad coached at the same school for I think 20 plus years. You know, I'm a product of that growing up there, right? I mean, we had carpet mill workers, farmers, you know, a good middle class economy. You know, it was a blue collar place, you know, and and,
4: uh, with values, you know, and I I think that uh, it benefited me growing up there, right? And I still, to this day, uh, riding around there, you know, there's too many to talk about, but that place is in the fabric of who I am. I wouldn't be here today without that experience. That's Billy Napier, Florida's head coach, talking about his uh, his hometown of Chatsworth, Georgia. Jack Beach uh, from uh, LSU, the wide receiver. He was asked this week, we played this cut earlier. I think we played it Monday night. I liked it so much. Uh, it is one of my favorite cuts this week from, from SEC Media Days. But he was asked about, the return of the EA Sports College football game and about the idea of his name, image, and likeness being a part of that game. Here's what he had to say.
0: Definitely not. I don't care if I don't get paid anything. I think they might have to pay us um, in order to be in the game, but if that be a dollar, I would not care. I think that would be the coolest thing ever, to be able to play a video game. Actually, as your true self with your true stats, not just like a creative player, but like your actually true self. So we always joke around the locker room, like we got a ball out this year, so we can have that 99 overall. Like different things like that. So
4: that's Jack Bish, the uh, LSU wide receiver on the return of EA Sports College Football game. Greg Sankey, the SEC Commissioner, uh, opened up SEC Media Days on Monday. I told you some of these uh, some of these uh, quotes we would play for you from this week. Some of them would be some of them would be lighthearted. Some of them would be more serious. These next two come from Greg Sankey, and they are serious. The first one is on playoff expansion. Here's Greg Sankey.
1: Um, I, I walked into one of the first meetings when we were looking at the format and said uh, if we want to expand to eight teams for the playoff with no automatic bids, uh, I'll have that conversation. But moving to an eight-team playoff and granting what were going to be six automatic bids and reducing at-large access is, is unwise. Um, and, in fact, if you look, I think 2014, you would have replaced the eighth best team in the country with the 20th best team in the country. I don't think we can survive that from a credibility standpoint. But the pressure was there to have conference access with some guarantee, and so the 12 team, six at large, which increases the at-large access, and six uh, conference qualifiers, not automatic qualifiers, but the guarantee to the six best conference champions, was was a really good balancing outcome. But things have changed. And I was clear uh, back in January when we walked away from the conversation that we as a conference weren't unanimous in our support. Um, I had, as commissioner, move people forward to the point we were supportive as a league. And if we're going to go back to square one, then we're going to take a step back from the model introduced and rethink the approach. Uh, Number of teams, whether there should be any guarantee for conference champions at all, just earn your way in. Um, There's something that's healthy competitively about that and creates expectations and support around programs. Where we go, we'll see. We've had one initial conversation Um, in late June. I walked into that meeting not very optimistic about the ability to talk through issues, and I walked out much more positive about the path forward um, than when I walked in. And there's a lot of work to do. Uh, we have time and we'll use it, and it's the same type of issues that you've heard: AQ or no AQ, how many teams, what's the relationship to the bowls, when do we play these games on a calendar? We we really need to look at that more deeply than we did in the in the previous iteration. So we'll we'll see how it how it goes, but that those are the realities. But um, I'd be fine with no AQs, whether it's four like we have now, it's a model that's worked, eight, 12, but the inclusion of uh, champion uh, Conference champion access was, I was I thought, an effective compromise at a 12-team playoff.
4: Yeah, the automatic uh, qualifiers, that's something that's being pushed for by the group of five because each of those group of five conferences, they all want to have a seat at the table. They all want to be able to eat at the big boy uh, with the big boys and get a piece of that pie. Now, if you're the SEC, and Greg Sankey's exactly right, they don't care. We don't hey, let's go all automatic. Uh, no automatic qualifiers. And 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 just take the, you know, the 4 6 8 12 best teams, whatever that may be. The SEC can have that opinion because they're going to play a tough enough schedule every year that you know, the fewer automatic qualifiers you have, the better the opportunity is for the SEC to be able to get multiple teams in the college football playoff. Let's hear from the commissioner of the SEC again. Here's Greg Sankey on SEC scheduling.
1: We had deep and productive conversations in Destin. Those conversations actually began back at our meetings in August. And when we concluded our discussion in Destin, we had a focus placed on a single-division model, with the ability to accommodate either an eight game or nine game conference schedule. And I'll wink and say, we could even accommodate a ten game conference schedule. I see all of you look up. I just want to see if you're paying attention. So that's actually not our focus. We ended, though, with the understanding that more questions needed to be answered, including understanding the general timeline and the issues that need to be addressed as we think forward now about the college football playoff. We have to dig through a tie-breaking procedure. So we have over a quarter century in divisions and we understand all the nuances about how to break ties. But we have to dig a bit deeper there with this single division concept in front of us. And we want to understand the impact through the use of analytics on bowl eligibility for our teams who are growing their programs and college football playoff access dependent on the number of teams that might be included. So there are a range of possibilities being considered. We have time to make a decision and as you've seen before with us, particularly in the last few years as we dealt with some difficult issues, we're gonna use that time to inform our decision-making, and not be subject to an arbitrary deadline.
4: That was Greg Sankey, the commissioner of the SEC. He brought up an eight, nine, even a ten-game schedule. You know, that's what the SEC did in 2020 in the COVID year. They played a ten-game SEC schedule and – A lot of folks in the conference like that, and certainly their television partners like that idea. All right, uh, last couple here. Uh, Let's get some fun ones before we go. Mike Leach, the head coach at Mississippi State, apparently does not like to make opening statements at press conferences or media days. He just walks up and says, let's go, fire off your questions. This was Mike Leach explaining why he hates opening statements. Uh, okay.
1: So, um, opening statements. Well, I hate opening statements and, um, and I really don't see the point of it. And, uh, so as opposed to me, sit there and think of some flowery opening statement, which I've done before. And then, uh, at the end of the opening statement, uh, a number of people ask questions that have already been addressed in my opening statement. I decided we just sort of cut out the middleman and then, uh, you go ahead and ask the questions, and I'll go ahead and answer them.
4: That was uh, Mike Leach. Uh, last cut now comes from Lane Kiffin, the Ole Miss head coach. If you remember the, uh, the very strange way that things went down when uh, Lane Kiffin went back to Knoxville this last year to play Tennessee, and somebody threw a mustard bottle onto the field in that game along with a lot of debris that was thrown on the field. When Lane Kiffin got to the College Football Hall of Fame this week for SEC Media Days, someone asked him to sign a mustard bottle. Here's Lane Kiffin on autographing mustard bottles and golf balls. Um, Lane, I saw that you signed a a mustard bottle earlier. Have you signed a lot of those in the last nine months? I
2: did sign a mustard bottle. That was the first um, guy to come up, which I think he had Alabama shirt on, so I was a little confused there. And so, yes, I've signed a lot of muster balls and golf balls, uh, which normally I haven't. So it's been a unique off season.
4: Those are some of my uh, favorite quotes this week from SEC Media Days. Garrett Chapman's going to join us coming up before the end of the hour. We'll get a chance to uh, talk a little bit with Garrett about what he heard, not just today, but over the course of this week as we put a wrap on SEC Media Days. We'll step away from our college football talk just for a second, and we'll get to a look at That's Life. We've got today in sports history, we've got some sports birthdays, and uh, we have maybe the secret to living a longer life. We'll get to that coming up in a few minutes here. Sports Radio, 92.9 The Game and the Odyssey app. Hang on.
3: Put the spring back into your step and into your home too. Shop Blinds.com right now and save up to 45%. Up to 45% off for a limited time at Blinds.com. Blinds.com. Rules and restrictions may apply.
0: So who is this person? It's John Juggery. Are you
4: sure Sports Radio 929, the game.
1: That's life. That's
3: life.
1: That's what all the people say. You're riding sports high.
4: Sports Radio 92.9 The Game. Chris fourth in in place of John Chuckery. It is time for That's Life. Let's get a look at today in sports history. We'll start July the 21st, 1963, PGA Championship, Men's Golf, Dallas Athletic Club. Jack Nicholas wins the first of five pga championships by two shots over fellow american dave reagan he becomes the fourth golfer to win the three major united states titles today in 1967 jimmy fox double x american baseball hall of fame first baseman nine-time major league baseball all-star world series winner twice and three-time American League MVP He also won the Triple Crown in 1933. He dies after choking on food at 59 years old. Today in 1968, PGA Championship men's golf. This time at Pecan Valley Golf Club, Arnold Palmer becomes the first PGA golfer to earn a million dollars over his career despite losing by one stroke to Julius Boros in the PGA Championship. Uh, Today in 1969, an All-Star Game banquet was held in Washington. It's one of baseball's great events. An all-time team and all-time living team are announced. Babe Ruth is selected as the greatest all-time player. Joe DiMaggio, the greatest living player. This date in history, back in 1973, Atlanta Brave Hank Aaron hits a Ken Brett fastball into the left center field stands for a two-run homer during an 8-4 loss to the phillies it is career home run number 700 for hank aaron only the second player to reach that milestone babe ruth of course was first today in 1982 they were in last place in the national league west they were 24 games below 500 and the cincinnati reds would fire manager john mcnamara and replace him with third base coach Russ Nixon. Nixon, by the way, would go on to manage the Braves for a short stint. I believe he was the guy that was fired when Bobby Cox came down as the dugout and went from being the Braves GM and took over uh, as the manager. 1989, Mike Tyson knocks down Carl the Truth Williams with a left hook and stops him 93 seconds into the first round of his heavyweight title defense. It is the fifth-shortest heavyweight title fight in history. This date in 1998, Kerry Wood outduels Greg Maddox as the Cubs defeat the Braves before a sellout crowd. Wood strikes out 11 in seven and two-thirds innings, the sixth time in 18 starts that he has reached double figures for Maddox. It's his first loss to his former team after seven wins against the Cubs. This date, July 21st, 2007, Jamie Moyer and David Wells face off. The two combined for 88 years and 307 days of age, making it the second oldest matchup of starting pitchers in Major League history. The only one that was older was a duel back in 1987 between Don Sutton and Phil Necro. Today in 1958, celebrating birthdays today, Dave Henderson, former A's and Mariners outfielder, was born also today in 19... Uh, check that, that was in 1949. Dave Henderson was born in 1958. Al Harbosky, former Cardinals pitcher and current TV analyst, was born today. 1961, Henry Ellert, former Ram and Redskin wide receiver, born on this date, 1961. Born today in 1979, David Carr, former Texans quarterback celebrating his 32nd, i uh, sorry, his 42nd birthday today. CC Sabathia, former Yankees and Indians pitcher. Also turning 42 today Fred Smoot, former uh, Redskin cornerback and Justin Griffin, the former Falcons fullback, and celebrating his uh, 23rd birthday today, born on this date in 1999, Evan McPherson, the kicker for the Cincinnati Bengals. That is a look at Today in Sports History and also your uh, your sports birthdays. We stay with That's Life uh, as we continue to uh, talk about some other things now. How about the secret to a long life? Dylan, are you a coffee drinker?
5: I am not. I used to be when I lived at home and, you know, mom got me, you know, she, she would make, like, coffee at home. So she would brew coffee and then she would put it in the fridge and let it chill. And then she would uh, make her own iced coffees at home, you know, have the coffee and sugar and some uh, creamer and half and half and all that good stuff. Um, So I would make those from time to time. But then, I, I, like, after a little while, I stopped drinking them because I've gotten away from soda and coffee and all that stuff just because all that sugar and whatnot is bad for me and my face and whatnot. Well,
4: there is some good news if you are a coffee drinker. Data of more than 170,000 adults in the UK has revealed that those who drink between two and four cups of coffee each day, regardless of added sugar, appear to live longer lives compared to those who are not coffee drinkers. The uh, analysis was conducted by scientists in China at uh, a university there. The lead author of this... Uh, said that uh, previous observational studies have suggested an association between coffee intake and reduced risk of death, but they did not distinguish between coffee consumed with sugar or artificial sweeteners and coffee consumed without. They talked to over 171, nearly 172,000 people in the UK. The uh, survey took place between 2006 and 2004. And they showed uh, the, uh, the the coffee drinkers survey showed a clean bill of health in terms of cancer and cardiovascular disease. They found that fifty-five percent of the participants drank coffee without sugar or sweeteners, fourteen percent drank it with sugar, six percent drank coffee with artificial artificial sweeteners, twenty-four percent did not drink coffee at all. Those who drank coffee were further analyzed on how many cups per day. Well, so, maybe I need to go back to drinking coffee and I'll just drink it maybe, black. Maybe you need to start. Uh, that's the way my dad always drank his coffee. He always had He always had black coffee and uh, he loved especially after he retired, he loved to to work in his yard and uh, he would come in it'd be, you know, like this, July, sticky, muggy, hot. He'd come inside, fix a pot of coffee. A hot pot of coffee? Ah, yes. He sure would. Well, he built different. He sure would. I asked him about it one time because he used to let me sip it, you know, when I was a kid. I'd sip because he would always, you know, a lot of times he would have coffee at dinner. Now, sometimes uh, if he might have, you know, a Coke or a, you know, Sprite or, you know, sweet tea or something like that at dinner. And afterwards, though, he would always have to have a cup of coffee. And uh, he used to let me take a sip of that black coffee, and it was just, mm. It was not good, not good at all for me. I did not mm. like it. Yeah, I did not like
5: it. Couldn't imagine drinking black coffee on a consistent basis. I just, yeah, just that bitterness gets to me. But, you know, my, my girlfriend, Simone, she drinks a lot of tea. Like, she always drinks green tea, and she'll put a little honey in it. But other than that, she takes it pretty much bitter. Any She puts honey in it, and that's it. And I've done that a couple times, too, and that helps the bitterness just a little bit. But blah, that green tea is bitter as well. It'll get you energized, but it's bitter. See,
4: I, I like green tea. I like green tea. And I, I do that, too, sometimes, by the way. Green tea, make Keurig and a yeah. little bit of honey. Yeah, but I, I do like – I do not drink coffee, um, but I do, like a, I do like a hot tea. I don't like it this time of year, but I like a hot tea or a hot cider. In the, uh, in the fall and winter. You know, oh, give yeah. Me, give me late October, first part of November. That's when it's about perfect, man. Ooh, that yeah.
5: about perfect. Especially some hot apple cider. Warm up some apple cider. Man, that that hits yes. every time. On a yes. nice chilly night. Ooh. Yeah, it's perfect. Absolutely perfect.
4: All right. Do you remember uh, Manti Teo? I do. Former Notre Dame linebacker. He was, uh, you know, having a great season at Notre Dame, and he – found himself in the middle of this catfishing scandal that kind of shocked the college football world. He had his uh, this fake girlfriend that he had, uh, reportedly died from leukemia, and then Deadspin did an investigation and turned out that it wasn't true. The girlfriend wasn't even a real person. Well, Netflix, poor man Titeo, he's going to have to live through all this stuff again. I mean, that had to be one of the most embarrassing things ever. But Netflix is. It is called Untold The Girlfriend Who Didn't Exist. And it is set to air August the 16th.
5: <laughs> Poor
4: man's Itaeo. I'm tell sure you. the last thing he wanted was to, for this to just resurface. That was the absolute most embarrassing public scandal. uh, I hate to say the most embarrassing one ever because I'm sure I could probably think of something that's worse. But let me tell you, being catfished like that publicly and going out and telling that story to people about your girlfriend passing away and it all being a huge hoax that you had no idea about...
5: Mm, that's tough.
4: And it, is, he is quoted as saying, my whole world changed, and I'm questioning everything. I can imagine.
5: Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's tough to get catfished, too. So, I mean, it, it had to be something, I guess, pretty elaborate, or Teo was maybe just a bit naive. I don't know. But, yeah, that's that's just that's, – that's tough. And for that to go public, I mean, oof, can't imagine.
4: Yeah. I mean, that's just uh – uh I don't know any other way to put it. That is absolutely just embarrassing what uh, what he had to go through. But anyway, you can learn more about it. It's going to be a Netflix documentary coming out on August the, uh, the 16th. But again, that is, uh, I mean, you talk about just being played publicly. That's brutal. That is brutal. All right, that is a look at That's Life. Chris Goforth in in place of John Chuckery tonight as we continue our look back at SEC Media Days. Everything wrapped up today, and uh, we'll continue talking about everything that went on this week, including what went on today. Garrett Chapman, who's uh, been with me all week. Garrett's going to join us next. Talk a little bit about what happened at SEC Media Days today. By the way, coming up at 10 o'clock, Brian Harson, the head coach at Auburn. He was on with Andy Randy and John Chuckery today on the midday show. We'll bring that interview to you as well. So stick around for that. Hey, Maine, it's a new podcast that's out hosted by Kenny Maine, where he talks to all sorts of folks, including Jamal Crawford, Chris Berman. It's not just sports, though. He talks to celebrities, athletes, musicians, all kinds of folks. You can download it, it's available. On the free Odyssey app, just do a search for Hey Maine and uh, you'll find it there. Back with more, Garrett Chapman joins us next. Sports Radio 92.9 The Game and the Odyssey app.
3: After the end of a good fight, you deserve an ice-cold reward. Medellin, the mark of a fighter.
4: Back
5: to more John Chuckery.
4: This party's going to rock. Make Sports Radio 92.9 The Game. Sports Radio 92.9 The Game. Crisco fourth in tonight for John Chuckery putting a wrap on SEC Media Days. It got underway Monday, and it wrapped up today. Jimbo Fisher was the last media member or last uh, last coach to speak to the media members that had gathered at the college football hall of fame one of the guys that was there with me all this week garrett chapman from here at sports radio 92.9 the game garrett uh, is my uh co-host on the college football game time podcast that you can find on our facebook page we did not do one this week because of SEC Media Days going on, we'll get back at that. Uh, get back at it again next week. We have fun with that, and always enjoy getting a chance to to interact. And of course, uh, Garrett produces a college football game time that you can hear here again. This fall on Sports Radio 92.9, the game will get underway uh, Saturday, September the 3rd. We start at 8 a.m. that morning, and we look forward to to having you join us then as well. But Garrett, right now, hops on on the uh, WadeFord.com hotline, Wade Ford, Atlanta's Ford dealer. Garrett, let's uh, let's start with where we ended today. Uh, it was Jimbo Fisher who took the uh, the podium last and you know, I, I thought he did a nice job of kind of addressing everything up front in terms of the spat between him and Nick Saban. He made it sound like the two of them had patched things up. I don't know how much I believe that, but certainly that's the way he made it sound. Sounded a – seemed like he really wanted to put a better spin on things that had gone on earlier this year.
0: Yeah, and and, and Chris, thanks again for having me tonight. Uh no. Like, look, I think that relationship is about as tarnished as it can possibly be. And, and Greg Sankey probably <laughs> he probably had a private conversation with both of these guys and, and said, hey, fix it, you know, uh, or at least do it publicly. And, and um, so I, I, was, I was not expecting either of these guys to make any comments. And, uh, in fact, every time I heard – when Nick Saban went up, I, my ears perked up whenever Jimbo Fisher came up or, or didn't come up. Um, and, and vice versa. And look, I wasn't expecting anything crazy to happen this week, and, and like we kind of expected, nothing crazy happened. Um, but I mean, we know that Jimbo Fisher. I mean, like the the, the state of Texas has a little bit more lax NIL rules, and so he was able to take advantage of the of, of that. And I don't hold it against him. Look, I mean, if, if you have the ability to go do something that gives you a competitive advantage, I I give you like do it. I mean, just go do it. You know, and and uh, as far as the relationship goes, I I don't expect that to be patched up. I mean, it it got ugly. Like, it got very ugly and I, and I I don't expect that to uh change anytime soon.
4: You know, I don't really believe those guys were as close as we all kind of thought they were. Like I think a lot of people thought like they were they were kind of chummy and I don't know that they really were ever that close, honestly. Um, and to your point about, uh, you know, name, image and likeness in every state having a, a different law, that was one of the things that he talked about today. And he even said, you know, the problem with it is that it's different in each state and that Congress is really the only one that can unify that or do anything about it. And there doesn't seem to be any real need or hurry on the, you know, it seems like Congress has got other things they've got to deal with right now, certainly. And so we're probably looking at at least after the midterm elections before anybody's even willing to take a look at this.
0: Yeah, I, I definitely don't think name, image, and likeness in college athletics is, is very high on their docket when we have the, the current climate that we are experiencing right now in the political sphere. But look, at the end of the day, I, I mean, College football, or excuse me, the the NCAA specifically had a chance to get advantage of name, image, and likeness, and they failed to do so. Um, and, and now we're really seeing the repercussions of all of that. Greg Sankey specifically said this on Monday uh, when he took the podium for his initial comments. He said, "Yeah, well, we, this is exactly what we said could be the case if uh, name, image, and likeness goes to where the states just take advantage of whatever the situation is." And like, hey, if we want, if it's a, if if we as states make the rules for ourselves it's going to be an absolute free-for-all and and they're they're going to lose a handle on it and that's exactly what we've seen happen i mean we had a lot of guys say specifically that this is essentially the wild wild west and i look they're not wrong name image and us, i mean people, they've kind of taken this sort of laissez-faire uh, uh, way of, of approaching it and it is just turned into this just insanity um but, I mean, at the end of the day, I mean, like, this is a fantastic thing for the collegiate athletes. I think that each person, each coach who took the stage this week said something of, of, of that, like, where they say, hey, we support name, image, and likeness. We want these kids to get paid um, because they deserve it. And, I mean, at the end of the day, they do. Garrett Chapman,
4: you can find him as part of the Dopey Millennials coming up this weekend on uh, Sports Radio 92.9 The Game. He'll be with me tomorrow and Sunday uh, – not tomorrow, Saturday and Sunday here on Sports Radio like Friday, 92.9 The Game. It does feel like a Friday. <laughs> I'm glad it is uh, – I'm glad that it feels like a Friday, though. Hey, let's talk about Josh Heupel in Tennessee for a little bit. Um Look, the one thing about Tennessee, Garrett, I think they're going to be able to score points. I think a lot of this comes down to their defense. Uh, that was what were they 14th in the SEC last year against the against the pass. Um, they were 10th last year in scoring. They were 12th in total defense. They have got to be better defensively. They got. And and Heupel talked about that today. He said we got to be better on third downs, um, in particular third and longs. And we've got to force uh, more field goals than touchdowns. And, and once teams get in the red zone, and I didn't realize mm-hmm. this. Uh, I think maybe I knew this last year, but I'd kind of forgotten it. They only had ninety. Uh, I'm sorry, sixty nine scholarship players last year at Tennessee. They were well below the level of eighty five. And I think that's something that you saw from Tennessee a year ago. Is they didn't have the depth, maybe that some other teams did with only 69 scholarship players. Heupel said the numbers this year would be better, but he said we're still not going to be at 85 scholarships, but we will have more than 69 this year.
0: Yeah, and, and I think you really did see that last year, their depth specifically on defense, like you mentioned. I mean, it was not very good. Um, the defense struggled a, a great deal in 2021. I, I don't expect it to struggle at that same level this year. Um and I also think that offense is going to get better. I mean, this is a lot of people had the conversation. I, I hinted at this last night uh, when we talked. A lot of people have talked about who the third best team in the SEC is. I think that Tennessee probably has as good a, like good of a, an argument to be that third best team as anybody in the conference. A lot of people and talent to be in that spot. I, I just haven't seen them put all the pieces together. Um, Kentucky, they, they, they have a, a great shot with Will Levis, who's probably one of the best quarterbacks in this conference. But Hendon Hooker is also pretty damn good himself. I mean, the guy the guy was, was very, very good last year, um, but he lost the starting job early in the season last year. But he came back about, I think it was week five that he got his first start. And then that's when you saw Tennessee really turn the page on offense, and that's when they really took off. Um, and I, so I think Hinden Hooker, he represented Tennessee this week, uh, here at SEC media days. And I, I think at the end of the day, he's, he was, he is the guy who can really take Tennessee's offense, to the next level with Josh Heupel. And, and I'm very excited to see this Tennessee offense, but that defense, it needs to get better. And I think the, the point you just made 69 scholarship athletes, when you're competing against 85 athletes, like all these other programs have, that makes a tremendous difference. Uh, just having those guys who are that scholarship-level quality makes a tremendous impact. And I think Tennessee can really be that third-best team in the SEC. I'm not ready to say that they're trying to take over uh, for Georgia in the Eastern Conference. I just think it's it's a two-horse race right now in the SEC, but they can definitely be that third team.
4: It was uh, Auburn's head coach, Brian Harson who started off the day. We played some cuts from him earlier tonight where – you talk about a guy that came out and ad- addressed the situation earlier. Of course, there was a, the coup attempt at Auburn as they tried to get him out of there back in February, and he had to go through a little bit of an investigation, and nothing was found, and so he was able to uh, to keep his job. Uh, he thought it was kind of funny that he stood up. The first thing he said to everybody was, uh, you know, it's glad to be back my second year at SEC Media Days, and I bet back in February some of y'all thought I wouldn't be here. <laughs>
0: Yeah, no, he, he definitely took advantage of uh, addressing the elephant in the room, and that, that was going to be the first – if he didn't address it first off, uh, that was going to be the first question that, that folks asked him. I mean, like, look, he, he is he's a good coach. We talked to him, the, the Midday Show did um, earlier today, and, like, I, I like Brian Harsin. I, I think he's a, a competent head coach. I think he's a good guy. I, I think he would be a – I mean, he's a good head coach. Um, I just don't think that he's going to get a fair shake at being the head coach of the university of Auburn university. I, I just don't. Um, you saw this attempted coup, like you called it. Yeah. That's basically what it was. I mean, like the, the Auburn, Auburn boosters are very particular about the kind of coach that they want leading their football team. And, and Brian Harson just doesn't seem to be that guy for them regardless of what happens. And when he lost five consecutive games to end the season last year, that was the, the nail in the coffin for them, even though they were probably a Tank's Bigsby foot away from winning a, an Iron Bowl, which is crazy because if you win the Iron Bowl, then all of a sudden every single other thing becomes a moot point, you know? So Brian Harson, I think he can silence a lot of critics this year. I just don't think he's going to get that opportunity.
4: Well, i tell you who I think is in trouble uh, is Alan Green, his athletic director. Green, yeah, brought in Brian Harson. He was not really the guy that most of the uh, Auburn boosters wanted. Alan Green mm-hmm. brings him in when they had a uh, an interim university president in place. so he was kind of able to sneak this one by and look it wouldn't you know people talk about Brian Harson being fired this year if things don't go well. I think it's Alan Green. That gets fired this year if things don't go well at Auburn, and then then you have a new AD come in, and that's mm-hmm. the guy that's able to drop the axe on Brian Harson. Maybe not this year. Maybe it comes next year. But I, I think Alan Green, their AD, is the guy that's in uh, that's in a lot of trouble here. Uh, Garrett, before we finish up. You got a chance to talk to Paul Feinbaum for a few minutes today. Yep. I know you're going to have that on the uh, on the Dopey Millennials coming up this weekend. But can you can you give us a little sneak preview of some of the things that you and Paul Feinbaum talked about? And uh, what did the F bomb have to say today?
0: <laughs> no, look, Paul, Paul is everything advertised, man. I mean, he's he's a very genuine guy, and and uh, he he was gracious enough to give me a couple of minutes. Uh, earlier today and, and and look at the end of the day i mean the, the guy is as good as it gets when he when it comes to knowledge of the sec and and his connections within the conference are, are second to none and um and he was a great interview um uh, but i mean we talked about everything i mean we talked about college expand, uh, excuse me um playoff expansion we talked about uh super conferences we talked about uh who that third team in the sec is and um sneak uh, well. I'll give you a little preview. He says Alabama is number one. <laughs> so I don't think that's much of a hot take, but, um, no, we're going to be playing that, uh, listening back to that this Saturday during the Dopey millennials, uh, eight to 10 on Saturday on right here on sports radio, 92, a game,
4: Garrett, it was a fun week, man. I, I, I'm glad we got a chance to, we don't, uh, we hang out a lot. We just don't always hang out a lot in person, but it was good to be <laughs> exactly. able to do that this week. And, uh, look forward to uh, look uh, look forward to talking with you again on Saturday we'll probably uh, we'll probably go through uh, maybe do a little recap of the week that was at, at SEC media days uh, when you and I are together again on uh, on Saturday morning so appreciate it man great work by you this week and um, appreciate it
0: really thank you yeah it was a big week man I, I I couldn't have done it without you I appreciate all of you guys and look it was this was a fun week and I can't wait to do it again all all over on Saturday all right
4: all right, that is uh, that's Garrett Chapman. You can find him here uh, on Sports Radio ninety two nine. The game, of course, he is the producer for our college football game time pod, uh, college football game time show eight to noon on Saturday mornings in the fall here on Sports Radio 92.9 The Game. He joins me on the college football uh, game time podcast on Facebook Live. And you can, uh, if you don't already, make sure you head over. I know you follow us already on social media, at least on Twitter at 929 The Game. Make sure you go do the same uh, on Facebook at 929 The Game. Unwritten is a new podcast on baseball. It's hosted by a couple of former players and Ron Darling and Jimmy Rollins. You can download Unwritten on the free Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcast from. Brian Harson, the head coach at Auburn. We just got finished talking to Garrett about Harson and how all of this may play out at Auburn. We'll hear Brian Harson's conversation with the Midday Show when he joined Andy, Randy, and John Chuckery earlier today on Sports Radio 92.9 The Game and the Odyssey app.